Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Scripture. I have a lot of scripture foundation basis today, and so I'm going to read just a portion of it, and then I'm going to allow you to be seated. Everybody say, thank you, Pastor. Amen. That's right. Luke 24 and verse 45, starting, the Bible says, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. It came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. We are in our discipleship series, and we are in the place now of talking about the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, or as it was just termed in this scripture, we'll see the promise of the Father. Amen. How many is glad you've received the gift of the Holy Ghost? Amen. And if you haven't, that gift is for you. Amen. Today, let's pray. Father, I need you this morning. I pray, oh God, with those that are, Lord, standing before me, God, that your word, Lord, will find a place in our lives. God, if we are already aware of these truths, that they would be renewed and they would be rehearsed in our lives. God, if we are not, Lord Jesus, if we are not aware of them, Lord, or we've not yet, Lord, received that experience, God, that there would come an understanding, Lord, a moment of, of reckoning and aha. I pray, oh Lord God, for what we need in our own lives. I pray jesus minister now god as we again lord look and devote our attention to the word of god for what it says about the spirit lord god the holy spirit the holy ghost in the name of jesus christ that i pray amen and amen everybody say amen Amen. You may be seated this morning. We're going to go on over to Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read a bunch of verses. All right? You can track with me. I want to start with verse number 1. We won't read the whole chapter, but it will feel like it. Okay? Uh, Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, note, the Spirit they just received, gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Skipping down to verse number 12. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter Standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit, Upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy verse 37 now when they heard these they were pricked in their heart 
and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. Now you're glad that I let you sit down, aren't you? Amen. So we have talked about faith and repentance. We have talked about water baptism, but we now, it's an essential part of the plan of salvation to talk about the Holy Ghost. Uh, Typically in the Pentecostal church, we say Holy Ghost. There's other places people say Holy Spirit. Uh, The fact of the matter is those two things are interchangeable uh, all throughout the New Testament. In fact, uh, the scripture refers uh, to the Holy Ghost experience in many different ways, even outside of just Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit. If I can share just a few of these with you, these all have scriptural context, but I'm not going to necessarily reference the scripture. If you want them, you can come see me afterward. I'll let you know. The Holy Ghost is referred to as the gift of the Holy Ghost. In the Bible, they're spoken of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Uh, other places, it is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Sometimes just simply the receiving of the Holy Ghost or the coming of the Holy Ghost. In certain places, it talks about the falling of the Holy Ghost. Other places, it is the pouring out of the Holy Ghost. And all in all, it's all the same. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, it's all amen concerning the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, the word ghost and the word spirit, uh, both in the New Testament, translate from the same Greek word, pneuma, which means a current of air, a current of air or a breath or a breeze, a soul, a spirit. So there's a connection uh, between really the breath that God first breathed into Adam to become a living soul and the Holy Ghost that we receive in the New Testament. The first breath he breathed into man was for man to become alive physically. Amen. But the breath that he breathes in us in the New Testament is so that we'll come alive spiritually. Amen. And so it is still all in all that breath or that air, that soul or that spirit. Amen. That is spoken of in the word of the Lord. So after the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus gave his disciples perhaps one of the most glorious and important promises that has ever been given to humanity or mankind. And that is he promised them uh, to send the promise as as it's termed in Scripture, the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father, according to the book of Acts, would endue them with power from on high. Look again, if you will, at Luke 24 and verse 49. And behold, Jesus is saying, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but here is the the, the instructions, but tarry ye in Jerusalem, in the city of Jerusalem, until you be endued with power from on high. Jesus even told his disciples in the Gospels, particularly uh, the Gospel of John, he told them, he says, I'm going to leave, Jesus says, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. In other words, I'm not going to abandon you or, or now create you be an orphan, so to speak. He said, but I'm going to come to you. He was going to come to them by sending, the Bible calls it another comfort, comforter which is the scripture will tell us the holy ghost and it's important because jesus in these scriptures that i'm about ready to share with you clearly identifies himself as the comforter that's going to return look at it now if you will john 14 and verse 16 the bible says and i and this is jesus speaking and i will pray the father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Note now Jesus is saying, I will not leave you comfortless. 
I will come to you. Jesus made it very plain when he said, I'm going away, but I'm going to give you another comforter and it's going to abide with you forever. It's been with you, but it shall be in you. Then he just removes any cloud of doubt, any confusion, and he tells them plainly, I will come to you. I will come to you. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. It's important, I think, this morning to point out in verse number 16 of John 14. He says, I will give you another comforter, another comforter. A lot of people get all hung up on that. Uh, the word another in the New Testament, there's a couple Greek words for the word another. One is alos, the other one is hertos. And the difference between the two is this. The one that's in our scripture, John 14, the alos, means another of the same sort. The one that's used other places, heritos, means another of a different sort. In other words, Jesus says, I'm going to leave, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to come to you. It was Jesus, the same, he was coming, not now in the form of a man, but he would be coming as a spirit unto them. It was of the same sort. It was still the great God Almighty, but just in a different manifestation than what he had been with them as he walked among them as a man. Now he would come among them as a spirit. Amen. Uh, dwelling inside of them. Look, John 14 and verse 26. But the comforter, here's where it tells us what the comforter actually is. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus says, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance and whatsoever I've said unto you. So we know very clearly, Jesus says there's going to be a comforter. That comforter, it's not, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm actually going to be coming to you. I've been with you, but I'm going to be in you. Now it'd be difficult for the man, Christ Jesus, to be inside of the man, Paul McGee. But he comes to us as another comforter, one of the same sort, Right? Still our great God, but he's in just a different manifestation of spirit. And as a result of that, then he can inhabit this body, Paul McGee, as I walk upon this earth. And that comforter is the Holy Ghost. Amen. So Jesus was basically promising his disciples to return to them in another form or another manifestation. Not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Amen. And this promise that Jesus gave to his disciples was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. And it's still yet being fulfilled today for those that would receive the spirit of the Lord. Amen. But it was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Again, if we can go back to Acts 2 verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there, was, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire. And it set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. Remember, remember now, Jesus told them in Luke 24, I'm going to send the promise of the father. But this is what you need to do. Tarry in Jerusalem in your, until you're endued with power from on high. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, everybody was gathered together at Jerusalem. That 120 in the upper room had been waiting for the promise of the Father in the upper room, 7 to 10 day prayer meeting that had been taking place. And so here in Acts 2, that spirit comes and it fills them with the Holy Ghost. That's the promise of the Father that they were waiting on. Amen. And so no doubt, the experience that they received in the upper room is the promise of the Father that Jesus said would come if they tarried and they waited to be endued with power from on high in Luke chapter 24. And even Peter confirmed that this is what was taking place or what Jesus had said was the promise of the Father, was the Holy Ghost in Acts 2 and verse 33. The Bible says, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. Amen. He has shed forth this. Basically, he was talking to the crowd of that day of what they were witnessing, of people that were speaking in their tongue and their language from the nation that they were from. He said, as a result of the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which ye now see. And I think this is very important for us as Pentecostal believers in understanding the scripture of Acts 2. That you speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. These things that you see and hear. Huh? See and hear. Because did not even those that were there that day 
come and said, phew, uh, you know, what's the deal with these folks? They thought they were drunk. And Peter stood up among them and said, they are not drunk as ye suppose, seeing that it is the third hour of the day. But again, it wasn't just what they were seeing. It was what they were hearing. Amen. Each of these individuals that received the gift of the Holy Ghost were speaking in other languages, in other tongues, things that they had not been taught from, from their birth. But we'll talk about the, 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 the speaking in tongues in weeks to come. I say weeks to come just in case they don't get finished today. It gives me a little buffer. Amen. But we'll be talking about that in weeks to come. And so notice, again, the promise is something that the bystanders both saw and they heard. Because these people that had received the Holy Ghost, evidently, and I think this is important too for an apostolic church, evidently they were acting in a peculiar way. Hmm. They were acting in a peculiar way, again, so much so that the onlookers thought they were drunk. And they were speaking in a peculiar way enough that they heard all these various languages. This, this is not a charge, but it's just good to think about. If someone walked into our church services today, would there be enough that they could see or hear that would cause them to scratch their head what's going on? Hmm? Amen. Amen. That, 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 that these bystanders could say something is peculiar about what's taking place here again. And so we see in many instances... That, that breath or that pneuma, that breath of God blew again here in Acts 2. They heard that sound as it were a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. So again, this time, not for spiritual life like in the garden, but for not for physical life like in the garden, but for spiritual life, amen, in these believers that have been involved in that prayer meeting. Amen. And so here we go. The Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to, however you wish to term it, it was a promise that was foretold and prophesied that would come before it ever came. This is something that the prophets, even the Old Testament, spoke of the Holy Ghost. This was not a New Testament idea all of its own. Christ, listen, God had a plan for the Holy Ghost went back at Adam and Eve's day. He had already purposed Calvary. He, Christ was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world because in the will and the purpose of God, he's seen it before it was ever to even happen. And so this whole plan of death, burial, and resurrection, repentance, baptism, Holy Ghost, sin filling, folks, this is something that a whole lot o- even older, if you want to say, than 33 A.D. on Acts chapter number 2. This is something that has been in works for eons of time. And so the Old Testament, kings, prophets, all these types of people, judges, patriarchs, the Bible talks about in the Old Testament how they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost did not do well necessarily in them. But that dynamic changes in the New Testament. Now the Holy Ghost is dwelling and the Spirit is dwelling within people. But the prophets foretold of the day when that would happen. For instance, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 28 verses 11 and 12. This is back, and again, time frames in the Bible are sometimes hard to pinpoint. But this is somewhere around 730 B.C. The Bible says, Isaiah the prophet, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. To whom he said, this is the rest wherein you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. So Isaiah is prophesying of a day that with stammering lips in an unknown tongue, he would speak to his people and how that was going to be their place of rest and their place of peace and their place of solitude. What does the Bible tell us even the New Testament? We've looked at these scriptures already, but we're going to hit these things a thousand times before this series is open, over. And that is this, what? The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, right? Rest, if you will, joy in the Holy Ghost. The prophet Ezekiel, again, we see he wrote a book in the Old Testament. Again, he was around the 586 B.C. This is what he said. He's prophesying. He's speaking, verse 27 and 28 of Ezekiel 36. He says, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit again, emphasis here within you because you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Ezekiel was prophesying of a day. He says that you're going to have a new spirit and this spirit is going to be put 
Not just upon you, but within you. The prophet Joel, around 800 B.C., and Joel 2 and verse 28 says this, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Peter even makes the connection for us with that prophecy in particular because when everybody was wondering if these people were drunk and he said they're not drunk as ye suppose, he told them plainly, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joe. In the last day, saith the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your handmaidens and, and your servants and your old men dream dreams and young men see visions. In the last days, I'm going to pray. Peter made the connection. He said, what's happening right now? These people that you see acting, you think that they're drunk and they're speaking in languages of nations you're from. He said, this is what Joe prophesied about. This is what Joe said. You know what he's saying? He's saying this was talked about long ago. It's just now coming to fruition. It's just now coming to pass. Amen. Someone say amen. Not only that, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, eclipsed him by six months, uh, six months prior. He was born six months prior to the Lord. John the Baptist in all four of the Gospels, proclaimed and talked about the coming of the Holy Ghost. He just got in the saddle with the prophets of old and started talking about the coming of the Holy Ghost. In Luke 3 and verse number 16, John answered, this is John the Baptist, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh. The latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with what? the Holy Ghost, and with fire. Amen. Jesus, even prior to the coming of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, Jesus, in his earthly ministry, underscored the important, made important statements about the Holy Ghost. He spoke to them that if people would believe on him, amen, and that belief means obedience to the, the faith and the repentance and the baptism and all those things that we've already talked about thus far. But if we would believe on him, we, would sh we should receive the Holy Ghost. John 7, verse 38 and 39. Uh, it was in the last day of the feast. You read a few verses up. He's there. And the Bible says, Jesus says, He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's... This is the verse context where we sing that song about let it flow. I got a river of living water. You know, you should have been there when I prayed through. The church was on fire. This is really the context where that whole song comes from. This chapter 7, verses 38 through 9. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Many times Jesus spoke in terms uh, of, of paralleling the Holy Ghost to certain things. Uh, water, one of them. Whenever he met the woman at the well who come to a literal well with a literal bucket to draw literal water uh, from the well. He says, if you drink of the water that I give you, he said, you'll never thirst again. Now, he wasn't talking about some great H2O that was in a liquid form. No, no. He was talking to her about the gift of the Holy Ghost. He's talking to her about the Spirit of God. But he said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Note the parentheses here. But this spake he of the Spirit. He's telling us what he was speaking about when he's talking about that living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. At this time, Jesus had not been crucified. He had not been buried. He had not resurrected. He is still doing his earthly ministry upon the earth. Amen. So none of that happened yet. So the whole, remember, he says, whenever he told them back in John, he said, I'm, not, I'm going to go away. Amen. But there's going to come a comforter. So he had to go so the comforter could come. But that only happens after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so he's not yet been glorified on a cross. He's not yet ascended. Amen. But he's talking to them prior to that moment already about the Holy Ghost. Already about the Holy Spirit. And so he clearly stated to them, those that would believe on me as the scripture have said. All right. According to the way that the scripture have said. If you believe and you are obedient, then even as the scripture have stated, you shall Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's one of the reasons why the apostle, when he met with those of Ephesus in Acts 19, he asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? 
Because there's somewhat of a promise attachment there that if you believe and are obedient to as the scripture have said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that's whenever they said, well, we've not even heard whether there be any Holy Ghost, that he said, well, if you haven't received it yet, then we need to look at your baptism. See, what, into what you were baptized. Because there might be something there that we might need to address or get in alignment with as the scripture have said. Note the word there in verse John 7 and verse uh, 39. They that believe on him should receive. That word should in the Greek is translated this. It's the word mellow, all right? But it conveys this. It's the idea of expectation, to intend, to sense, to the sense of purpose, duty, and, and necessity. In other words, they that believe on him should be expecting to receive the Holy Ghost, should intend on receiving the Holy Ghost. They should, if you will, purpose, make it a necessity and a duty that I am going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Someone say amen. And so true believers shall have, he said, they shall have out of their belly shall flow these rivers of living water. And again, he is referring to the Holy Ghost. Note, though, Jesus, this is Jesus himself saying all this in John 7. Jesus is not implying as though the Holy Ghost is, is optional or it's an elective that they can either take or don't take. Right? He's talking it and, and couching it in terms as though it is something to be expected. Yes, 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 yes. It is something to be expected, intended, purposeful. Amen. It is, if you will, the duty of every believer to be a recipient of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Not only that, Jesus' words now, when he spoke to Nicodemus in John 3, Jesus' words confirmed to us that being born both of the water and the Spirit was our, our, our prerequisites was our way, our means, our entrance into the kingdom of God. John 3 and verse number 5, Jesus answered. He's speaking to Nicodemus, said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. Water baptism, Spirit baptism. He cannot. Folks, I say that with all love and, and, and consciousness, but I say it, though, with urgency, too. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus was very plain. Unless we're born of water and of spirit, we cannot. And that's Jesus. This is not, this is not second tier information. This is Jesus. Cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Someone say amen. And so Jesus, just as much as he said that, he also made it clear as we've already looked at, that he would return in spirit form as the Holy Ghost, as the Comforter, and dwell within his disciples. John 14, verse 17 through 18. Even he says the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Amen. Speaking of this breath and this wind, at another point in Scripture, Jesus, prior to death, burial, and resurrection, amen, it's in the Gospels. Jesus, the Bible says, he breathed upon his disciples and he told them, he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Again, he's just preparing their hearts and minds. He wants them to have an expectation of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In John 20 and verse 22 is where that occurs. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now, they didn't receive the Holy Ghost at that time because, again, he has not died. He has not been buried. He has not been resurrected. The Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus, again, had not yet been glorified. Someone say amen. <laughs> Whenever Jesus had his, his 12 disciples and he had already commissioned them before he ascended, he had already commissioned them for ministry that they are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He has commissioned them for ministry. But he specifically tells them one thing in particular, that they could not really truly begin their work until they first had received the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. In Acts 1, 4, and 5, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, he says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, that's where he told them to go and tarry 
He wants them to go, Sister, uh, Sister Jessup. He wants them to go to Ephesus and Galatia and Cappadocia. And he wants them to go all these places. But he don't want them to go without being empowered. He don't want them to go without having received the spirit of the Holy Ghost first. And so he says they should not depart. Don't you boys leave. Don't you go and try to do this on your own. He says until, don't you depart from Jerusalem. But he says, but wait, which means expect, but expect the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. And that Holy Ghost, that endowment of power from on high, that Holy Ghost would bring power into the lives of the disciples. For that matter, it would enable them and give them power to do the ministry that Christ had called them to, of being witnesses, for that matter, even into all the world. Acts 1 and 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon, which the word upon literally means down from above. That it will come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, Jesus is telling them whenever you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, everywhere you go, the Holy Ghost goes. Everywhere you go, the Holy Ghost goes. And you're witnesses unto me because you have my spirit. Everywhere you go, amen, it goes along with you. So the Holy Ghost was foretold through the prophets, through through John the Baptist, amen, through Jesus himself, amen, and the Holy Ghost, we know, according to the word of the Lord, was absolutely fulfilled. It came to pass. The grand book of Acts. Brother McGee, you're doing an awful lot of reading in these things about the book of Acts. Well, the book of Acts is the history of the church. The book of Acts is the history of the birth of the church. You read the epistles, you're reading about the history of all of the maintenance of the churches that were established in Ephesus and Galatia and Thessalonica and all these places. But the seedbed of when it all originated and occurred is in the book of Acts. It is the history of the church. And so we have examples of believers being filled with the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts because it's the history of the church. In the epistles, it's telling us how they need to live their life after they receive the Holy Ghost. So there's like, what, 19 of those? <laughs> the Holy Ghost is a great demarcation in our life, a great line to cross. But there's a lot of race still beyond that line. We have Acts, one book, but we have 19 epistles that's going to tell us how do we live after we receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. We'll get into that later in this discipleship series. Someone say, yes. I hear the excitement in everybody's voice. Jerusalem, Acts 2, the Holy Ghost first poured out there on the day of Pentecost, 33 AD, upon those that were gathered in that upper room. Again, they to the others acted in a strange way. They heard them. Amen. Speak in other tongues. It prompted all these believers thinking that they were drunk. But we do understand that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It was not just there. We read also the infilling of the Holy Ghost that happened in Samaria. And what's happening here, there is really, if you will, this geographical uh, taking place of the unfilling of the Holy Ghost whenever he's talking about being witnesses in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. There, that kind of starts happening throughout the book of Acts. You see these geological uh, locations popping up. Samaria. In this city, Philip went there and he began to preach Jesus. And many of those that believed, the Bible says, were baptized in the name of Jesus and they received the Holy Ghost. Look at it, if you will. Acts 8 and verse 14. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, folks, that is just proof within the pudding. The disciples understood, man, baptism is great, but it don't stop there. Philip was already there preaching the message and some have believed and been baptized. But evidently that wasn't good enough for the disciples because they understood. The purpose of the Lord is not just for you to be baptized, but for you to be filled with the Spirit. So the Bible says they go down there, what? So that they might pray with them, so they might, what? Receive the Holy Ghost. They've been baptized in Jesus' name, but they need the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy 
Ghost. So thank God then they believed they were baptized, but it's essential. It's necessary, amen, that we should receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Also, in Caesarea, in Caesarea there is Acts 10. And we've heard his name a thousand times already in this study, but that's okay. Cornelius of the Italian band, amen, is there. He sins for Peter. He's there with his family. He's there with his neighbors. And the Bible says that they likewise received the Holy Ghost. And then they were afterwards baptized. So, so in Samaria, you had them being baptized, and then they need to receive the Holy Ghost. Then in Caesarea, we have them receive the Holy Ghost, but then needing baptized. Look at it, Acts 10, verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, which means Jews, which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them, here's this again, we'll get to this in weeks to come. For they heard them speak with tongues. That's how they knew they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And magnified God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. So the Holy Ghost promise is being fulfilled. It was poured out in Jerusalem. It's been poured out in Samaria. It's been poured out now in Caesarea. It's been poured out on the Jew. It's been poured out on the Gentile. Amen. Amen. It was poured out on Ephesus again in Acts 19 when Paul goes there and addresses the, the believers that have been baptized according to John's baptism. Amen. Again, he wanted them to receive the Holy Ghost. He asked them if they received the Holy Ghost since they believed. And the Bible said when they heard everything that the apostle had said that they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And he laid his hands upon them. And guess what? They received the gift of the Holy Ghost and spake in tongues. All of that's found in Acts chapter 19. And so we have this pattern all throughout the book of Acts, which is the history of the church. Amen. That people believed, they repented, they were baptized in Jesus' name, they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Or they believed and they were repented, they received the Holy Ghost and they were baptized in Jesus' name. Nonetheless, you see all of those components within the salvation. And so we come to the thing, well, Brother McGee, you're harping about all this. Why in the world is the Holy Ghost then so important? I'm glad you asked. Number one, let's hear Jesus again from John 3. It's important because birth of water and spirit is integral to us entering into the kingdom of heaven. All right? That's important. I, I think if there, was no, if there was no other reason, Brother Fred, I think that would be enough for me that it is water and, not a water or, but it's a water and spirit in order to enter into the kingdom of God. Sister Roxanne, that would be enough for me. But there's more. There's more perks, if you want to call it that. Amen. To having the spirit of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Holy Ghost is, again, part of God's process of imparting salvation unto us. Look, if you will, Titus 3 and verse number 5. It, it lists two elements uh, through which God saves us. Again, here it is, water and spirit. The washing of regeneration and the renewing or the infilling, if you will, of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It says, but according, look at the scripture, but according to his mercy, he saved us. According to his mercy, he saved us, which mercy's simplest definition is when, whenever he didn't give you what you deserved. So mercy is, it's, him giving you mercy is not getting something you should have got. Him giving you mercy is not getting something you should have got. So if you got what you should have got, you should have been damned. Yeah, you, you, you should have been written off. But he saved us because he kept us from getting what we should have got. And the means by which he saved us was by washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Furthermore, in 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse number 13, Paul states that we are saved. Look at it now through sanctification of the Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Ghost and belief in truth. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. How? Through sanctification. We're set apart of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost sets you apart. 
That's what made those other people say, what's going on here on the day of Pentecost? These folks acting a little like something. Because they received the spirit that set them apart, made them peculiar, different from the common man or the common woman. Amen. And the belief of the truth. The Holy Ghost makes you God's property. I am not my own, the apostle said. I'm not my own. My life is not my own. I belong to him. It, 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 it makes us God's property. Romans 8 and verse number 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, again, this is, a, this is just kind of like an in-your-face scripture in the Bible. So I'm just going to read it. Now, if any man hath not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You don't have God's spirit? He don't own you or claim you. You have God's spirit? He owns you. You're his. He claims you. And let me tell you something. He's going to take care of his own. He's going to take care of his own. The Holy Ghost. It's important to have the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost inside you. Watch this. The Holy Ghost inside you gives you resurrection power. And I want to be a part of that. The Bible says in Romans 8 verse 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also, everybody say also, quicken your mortal bodies by how? By his spirit that dwelleth in you. Honey, I need resurrection power on rapture day. And the resurrection power comes from the spirit that I get right now. When I receive the Holy Ghost, I've received resurrection power. That when the trumpet sounds, that spirit says, let's get up. <laughs> Woo! Let's get up. It's time to go up. Amen. All of that is by virtue of the spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, now someone's excited, man. They're hearing about, man, this is pretty important. Entering into the kingdom of God. It's resurrection power. It's God's ownership on my life. Man, it's a procession into salvation away from sin. It's all these things that, man, I, where do I sign up? Right? Well, I got good news for you. This isn't for the rich or just for the elderly. Huh? This isn't for the poor or just the adult. It's for the teenager. This is for anybody, and you, here it is, whatever, uh, against whatever may, people may think or put out there, anyone at any time, anywhere can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It don't have to be within a church on a pew and at an altar. It could be in your bed at home. It could be driving down a car. It could be in a prison. It can be on the foreign field. It can be in the grocery store. It can be on the sidewalk. It doesn't matter. Anyone, anytime, anywhere can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So who can receive it? Anybody. It is a gift, and God did not put any determining factors on that gift except the repentance, baptism, amen, and the faith. It's for whosoever will. Remember what the prophet Joel said, that even Peter said on the day of Pentecost, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Joel said, it shall come to pass afterward, Joel 2.28, that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. White flesh, black flesh, yellow flesh, brown flesh, wrinkled flesh. <laughs> upon all flesh Peter even said in Acts 2 verse 39 speaking of the Holy Ghost that had come he said for the promise that promise of the father that we began with he said it is unto you those that were gathered there of every nation creed and tongue it is unto you and to your children I'm glad the Holy Ghost is generational hallelujah I'm glad the Holy Ghost is generational and to your children and to all that are afar Oh, now see, something was happening right there in Peter that was just really special taking place. Because that's just not talking about distance from where Peter is. 
Some may take it like that, but that's just not talking about distance. It's talking about including the Gentiles, those that were not Jews. If you can, real quickly up there, I don't think you have this, but that's okay. Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 13, he says, to those that are afar off. I want to read verse number 13 and verse number 17. But now, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus. Amen. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Look at verse 17. And came and preached peace to you, speaking of the Lord, which were afar off and to them that were nigh. You know what he's saying? He's saying some of you are Gentiles and some of you are Jews. The Jews were considered those that are close just because Father Abraham being their father, you know, they got a lineage, they got a genealogy, so it automatically makes them closer to the Lord than other people like the good down for nothing Gentiles and Samaritans, amen. But whenever they said, Peter said on the day of Pentecost, it's for you and your children, those that are far off, you know what he was doing? Drawing the biggest circle that could ever be drawn, that it's not just the Jew, not just the priest, not just the Levite, but it's the Gentile, the Samaritan, the one that's considered a dog. It's for whosoever will. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Peter even emphasized that again whenever he was at Cornelius' house, that the promise of the Spirit was not just for the Jews only, but for the Gentiles. He says there in Acts 11, uh, verses 15 through 18 there, whenever they received the Holy Ghost, he says, God gave them, which was Cornelius and his household, considered under the label of Gentiles, God gave them the like gift as he did us, a Jew. He said they got the same gift that we got. It wasn't just... You know, this is a particular gift for a Gentile, and this, you know, it's kind of altered a little bit for a Jew, and it's kind of a little bit different for a Samaritan. No. He says, they received the same gift that I received. <laughs> and it doesn't matter today. It's the same gift for anyone, whosoever will. The Apostle Peter went on to state, and I'll close here this morning, seeing our time. The Apostle Peter wanted to state that basically people of every nation was eligible to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Look at it, Acts 10, verse 34 and 35. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And if like Jesus said to John or to Nicodemus, by water and by spirit, by being born again of the water and the spirit, we have access or can be enter into the kingdom of God. Then when we go to Revelation and we look at heaven and the scriptures of Revelation 7 that says there was a number that no man could number. All nations, kindreds, peoples, and tongues. You know what that means? That means it was for sure for whosoever will, regardless of our nationality, race, or who we were, if you will, as far as skin color. It was for whosoever will. Jew, Gentile, Samaritan, it's for us all. Amen. And anybody can receive it. You can receive the Holy Ghost today. Oh, Brother McGee, don't tell me. No, you can receive the Holy Ghost today. Absolutely. And if you need baptized in Jesus' name, that can, we, can, we can make that happen right now today. Amen. And, and, and I implore you that this, if you're thinking about that, the sooner that you just come, man, if you're a man, go to Brother Fred. If you're a woman, go to Sister Penrod over there. Let us know. We'll get her done. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. If you'll stand with me today, the Holy Ghost. Whew, I'm, I'm God's property. God's property. <laughs> God's property. Hallelujah. Salvation has come. Salvation has come. If we bow our heads here today, I pray of nothing less that those of us who have experienced this gift and this promise of the Father, maybe as we have spoke today, this is just reaffirmed things perhaps that you have already known or that you have been acquainted with, but it's just kind of brought them to the surface again to reacquaint and remind ourselves of this precious gift that we have received. But perhaps there's somebody else here today that have not yet received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Sir or ma'am, it is for you. 
Hallelujah. As Jesus stood in that last day of the feast and said, whosoever will let him come and drink of the waters of salvation or of life. Really, this this is for you today. Amen. You can be a recipient of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is a free gift. Amen for you. He wants your children to have it. He wants generations of you from now to have it. There is a whosoever will that is all encompassing. You can come to the Lord with whatever situation or status of life that you may be in and you can repent unto the Lord. You can lay everything before the Lord. Amen. You can believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You can come to him by faith, believing that he wants to give you this gift and that you can receive this gift and you can walk out of here today. Amen. A new creature in Christ Jesus. You can walk out of here today. God's property. God's property. He has not left us comfortless. He's not left us as orphans. He said, I will come to you, sir or ma'am. God is wanting to come to you today, particularly you. God wants to come to you this morning. And he wants to dwell in you. The spirit of the Lord. The spirit that... The Bible says in Genesis with the earth without form or void, that spirit that moved upon the face of the waters and the deep. And when it did, there's things that started to take place, happen. There was an activity that was spawned. That same spirit wants to move upon the void areas of your life. That same spirit wants to move upon your life. Hallelujah, and make a change and an alteration today. Can we lift our hands across this place today? Can we just be mindful of the Lord and begin to pray to God? Lord, if you've already been a recipient of the Holy Ghost, thank Him for it today. If you've not yet received the Holy Ghost, you can still thank Him for it today. Amen. That you should receive. Remember that word should with expectancy, with intention, with duty and necessity. God, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. I, I have faith and I've already repented, Lord. Maybe you need baptized. Maybe you've already been baptized. Wherever you are in that, in that plan, in those steps, you should. You should. There should be an expectancy in your heart a desire a longing a hunger hallelujah Jesus yes God yes God oh I need him 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 brother Mason let's just sing just a little bit of something if people want to pray in an altar today we want to give you opportunity to do that I don't want to close this service without extending that opportunity being that we have spoken about the gift of the Holy Ghost today the promise of the Father folks that just wasn't a day of Pentecost occurrence he's still in doing he's still uh, giving people and filling them with the gift of the Holy Ghost that just wasn't Pentecost amen that, that thing goes on it lives still yet today people are still receiving the gift of the Lord hallelujah the power of God in their life hallelujah oh will you just seek after him right now with your mind and your hands devoted to him right now in this moment thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter with the username facmc again that's facmc thank you and have a blessed day